I get on the plane. Since I haven't had one for a couple of days, I figured I'm going to get one before I get on there. I'm just, uh, I've I got to get a shower. Hallelujah. I tried them powder baths before. It's just every time somebody hits you, <coughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> hallelujah. So we, we are going to uh, Ghana, Uganda. Is that where we're going? We're going to Uganda. I think it's the biggest church in the nation. Um, seats 20, 20,000 three times a day. And uh, we'll be preaching there. And uh, Wednesday night, we'll be having miracle service there. Friday night, we'll be having a all-night miracle service. And then uh, I'll be preaching here, not this Wednesday, the following Wednesday. And uh, so I expect you to be as faithful to your place in our body as I am in the place of the kingdom. And I'm going to be representing you over there and preaching. And everybody that gets saved is going to go to our count as we do it together. And uh, so that's all exciting. Now today, remember that uh, when you bring your offering up for missions, that all of the finances for the missions through the month of October, as well as last month, go towards sending a team, about a 10, 11 guys, to Honduras. And they're going to be doing Dream On. They're going to be having night crusade. People are going to be getting saved and touched. And so I do just ask you, all of that missions money is going to them. And uh, so please, sow that to them. Just make it. The Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, they're writing them a check every month. And uh, then today, anybody know what October month is? Pastor's Appreciation. Now, that, I didn't name that. The world named it that. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to ask you to forego cards and everything. And I thank you for all those cards. But what I'm doing is I'm declaring it a staff appreciation month. And uh, in every pew there, behind the pew, there is a purple envelope. Boy, they always make mine them buck, ugly yellow ones. And here, here we got real nice ones. Uh, these uh, purple uh, are staff appreciation. What we're going to do this month, we're going to give towards honoring and blessing our staff. And then we're just going to give that to them as a bonus. So uh, please don't write any checks to Phyllis and I. And uh, Phyllis and I will look at their offering, and if we think it's too much, we'll take what we want out of it. But, and I'm kidding you. And uh, somebody said, well, you don't have any needs, Pastor. You just take all you want, right? <laughs> like, what bizarro world do you live in? Anyway, praise God. So as we give today, praise God. Hallelujah. I don't believe that any man or woman or child has ever tapped in to the abundance of God. I believe that. I really do believe that. And uh, I married a, a young couple yesterday, and uh, she started bringing him to church, and uh, he was a Christian, and uh, this story was told me that uh, he said, well, I don't know if I believe in that tithing stuff. And she said, well... You come to church and you just listen to pastor because I'm not going to marry you until you do. Yeah, yeah. why? Because she understands that it's a master key to blessing and to life. And he's a great young man, and I'm sure she's going to get him all the way straightened out. And uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, they were a great couple, and uh, I just thought that was hallelujah. Praise God. Half Christians don't even marry saved people. They marry problems and projects. 
Hallelujah. And glue can't fix it. Amen. So, but I thought that was a great, great testimony. So uh, that's what I, when I married Phyllis, I said, you've got to be a tither. And uh, right, Phyllis? You aren't a tither yet? Oh, you are. Okay. All right. You're right, Phyllis. You were. You don't have to rub it in. And uh, uh, what is one of them people think they're right all the time? A narcissist. Phyllis Narcissus Dosic. You're a narcissist? According to me. All right. All right, let's receive our tithing offerings. You know, as you give today, it's going to be given back to you. Press down, shake them together. Don't have to tell you that. And those of you that are tithers know that your offering is going to open up the windows of heaven and a blessing is going to be poured out upon you. Let's pray with your tithing offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, what a great day that you have brought us into. It is a day, God, that we get to declare our faith in you, a day that we get to honor you, God, put you first and give you the first fruits of all of our increase. It is a day, God, that we get to honor you with our substance. God, how creation adores and looks at us and wonders why man, God. But God, you chose us before the foundations of the world. And God, you have called us to be your people. God, we stand here today by faith. God, to do what faithful people do is to honor you today. And God, we thank you for returning the harvest of every seed and opening up the windows of heaven upon every tither. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet. Bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord. Oh
Hallelujah. If you will turn, I'm going to preach a five-week series today in 20 minutes. And uh, so please get ready. Hallelujah. No, I'm not. Let's go to uh, Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Isaiah 46, 9. I want to talk to you today about the will of God. The will of God. I've heard so many people say, and, and I've been cautioned by peers uh, when I call and ask them a question about that. Oh, Peter, don't open that can of worms. Well, somebody's got to preach on something about the will of God. It is not a so elusive and so undefined that we just get to do what we want. Amen. Though people are presenting it like that. The other day we was a uh, uh, guy uh, was looking up, uh, we were thinking about doing a survival school, teaching kids how to survive, you know, start fires and all that. So we ran across this site, Beer, Camping, and Jesus. And they had big coolers of, of beer there. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what church it is because you might see it. And, uh, but I, I think it's kind of goofy. Amen. I think it's just kind of goofy. I don't think that the suds on the waves of the sea were bottled. And so I just think you ought to stay away from, well, maybe the whole place catch fire and burn down. And uh, then we can name it beer, camping, and judgment. No, no, no. All right, Isaiah 46 and verse 9, it says this. Remember the former days or remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declare the end, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird, from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, and I will do it. The will of God. The will of God, what does that mean? Simply means this. The word will means that it's God's desire. God has the desire for each and every one of us. And here God says, look, I proclaim the end from the beginning. I am the one that have created you. I am the one that have formed you. And I speak of things about your life and things about the world and the events of the kingdoms of those worlds. And I speak about them before they ever come to pass, unveiling that God is an omniscient, all-knowing God. And so is the word will means that it's God's desire, God's pleasure. You saw that in those scriptures that we read. It says my counsel. The word counsel is simply God's pleasure, God's will, or God's order for an outcome of any type. And then it says, and for my pleasure. That goes right back to my will. So when God says my counsel, he speaks of his will when he talks about his pleasure, he speaks of his will. And then it says this, my decrees, it means a decree. If God's will is unveiled, it is a decree. 
you've seen God in that scripture say, I have decreed things. It means that it's the purpose of God, what God chooses in all of the options. That's God's will. Now, the first thing about God's will is that it's sovereign. Now, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, most people think that God's in charge of everything. That's not what sovereignty means. Sovereignty means that there is a decree, there is a will, there is a way, there is a law, there is a right way and a wrong way. That there are benefits and there are deficits. Benefits are for right, deficits are for wrong. The word sovereign means a decree or an expression of a will by a sovereign or of someone that is of supreme authority so that the will could not be reversed, that the counsel could not be changed, that their pleasure could not be altered. And so God says that I am a God and there is none beside me. So God declares that he is a sovereign God. And the word sovereign simply means something that is revealed by God as the supreme power and authority over all things, persons, or beings. God is sovereign. So God declares a sovereign will. Now, the sovereign will of God means that God declares this will, reveals this will without consulting anyone else. Doesn't mean that, that uh, he does everything. It means that he has a sovereign will. He decrees his pleasure. Doesn't mean that everybody's going to line up with it. Could have given an amen. Some people say, well, you know, well, God, God's just sovereign. Well, that means that people that hear the gospel don't have any hope. And they back that up with predestination. But no man is predestined to an eternal hell. Absolutely not. Because it's not God's will. God's sovereign decrees and declarations of pleasure and purpose for every man that anybody should perish. Let's go to 2 Peter 3.9. And, and we'll look at this just for a moment. Remember that God's will is sovereign. That means that because he has the ultimate authority, Phyllis, he doesn't consult with anybody to make a decree or to establish his will. Now, God's will was established before the foundations of the earth. Remember that the callings and the gifts of God are without repentance. That means that God made sovereign deposits based upon his will for an individual into that person's life before they were ever born. Whether they repented or not, it was God's call. And he put it in there based on his supreme authority to do so. Now, whether a man ever repents or uses that gift for the kingdom of God or not, they still have those gifts and those callings. They are talents that are in their life. Now, God put them in there based on his sovereign decision or choice to give an individual those attributes, those gifts, those talents, and so forth. And so it means that when God makes a will, praise God, it's established. Now, he did that without you ever being saved or unsaved. 
It was a call because God's not a respected person. So he equips every individual for life. And he equips every individual with gifts and callings that will provide for their life and that will govern their life, direct their life, and hopefully bring them to God's desired end, which is they will be one with us as I am one with you. That's God's great desire, is that man be reconciled to him, live life with God, and then be redeemed or caught up and the redemption of their body to live, be with him forever. So the sovereign will of God means that God makes sovereign choices, sovereign decrees, sovereign statements. He makes sovereign laws. It's kind of like a, a judge. Uh, you know that a judge has a courtroom. When you go into that courtroom, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter what kind of lawyer you are, when you step in there, you are under his sovereign domain. In fact, judges in their courtrooms can institute decisions, whether, they, uh, whether people like them or not, that literally bind our government. We've seen that in the last six or seven months. Judges in little towns will make a decree and stop the, the hand of government. So what does that mean? That means that in these courtrooms, they are sovereign. And they are positioned there, and they have sovereign power, and nobody can come in there and reverse that law unless it's a greater sovereign or the Supreme Court or a higher court. They could go in and say, you know what? We are overriding your authority because we've granted you authority. Therefore, you're subject to us. Anybody important there, Phyllis? If you're texting Phyllis and you're in this sanctuary, stop it. I turned it off. <laughs> How about turn it over so you don't read it? That'll be a little more punishment. Hallelujah. You and your little buddies, whoever you are. Your oh, my granddaughter. Lexus, stop it. Now, <clears throat> and uh, so a court could overrule them. But if a court doesn't intervene, then that judge in that sovereign realm what he declares becomes law and everybody must obey that law see our judicial system is set up that's why we have the <clears throat> misjustice is blind it's not supposed to be a respect of persons now when a higher court would reverse that then it, the lower court would have to yield to it but since God has no body else higher than him, his sovereignty cannot be reversed. What God has said, he cannot alter what has gone forth out of his mouth. Now remember that the sovereignty doesn't mean that God's in charge of everything. It means that he has made decrees for everything. He has made laws that everybody must bow to. He has made plans and purposes known to people that every man and every woman and every spiritual being must honor and adhere to. We see that in the authority of the believer. Now, 
the, in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to you, to usward, and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. Now, that's God's sovereign decree. God's sovereign decree is this. I decree, I reveal my choice for every man. I openly show forth the pleasure and the desire that I have for all men, that they should all be saved. Now, that's God's sovereign decree. But does the sovereign decree mean that God forces people to be conformed to that decree? No. Because the Bible says in Mark the 6th chapter, go and preach. They that believe shall be saved and they that don't shall be, shall be what? You don't have to be afraid about talking about sin and, and hell and damned in this church. That, you might get that someplace else. Listen, we, we preach both sides of the gospel. Amen. If you believe it, you can be saved. And if you don't, you'll be damned. Amen. There's a heaven and a hell. Hallelujah. There's sin and righteousness. There's that which God likes and that which God hates. Amen? Hallelujah. So we realize that if people preach, the sovereign will can be heard, but it can be rejected. Amen? The Pharisees rejected Christ. Why did they reject it? Because they did not want to adhere to the sovereign decrees and the sovereign will of God that he declared to them. So they rejected him, thus rejecting God. So when a man rejects salvation, he is rejecting the sovereign will of God. But remember, the sovereignty of God doesn't mean that God's in control of everything. If he was, everybody would believe like me. Everybody would act like me. But, Randy, do you have to repent of anything this week? Well, sure. Tell the truth. Well, I'm asking you. Yes, I'm sure. I'm, I know you have. <laughs> I mean, I've just known you for a few seconds here, and I, I see you're already double-minded. You don't even know what you did this week. Hallelujah. Now, is it God's will that men sin? No. God forbid. But? Even though God gave us his word and his spirit to mortify the deeds of the flesh, we still do it, right? So man's choice can reject or override the sovereign decrees of God. So sovereignty cannot mean that God is in control of everything you're doing. Because God loses control of most of us about 20 minutes after we get out of church. Amen? Absolutely. Get your shoe on, Johnny. I'll, I'll break that leg and beat you with it. Okay, that's love thy neighbor. Hallelujah. All right. And uh, so we have to realize that the sovereignty of God does not mean that God makes everybody do what he said. It means that God has presented his will. And if you will submit to that will, then you will reap the benefits of obedience to
to God. So, sovereignty doesn't mean divine puppetry. Amen? And so, does God do things sovereignly to fulfill His scriptures or His will and to bring to pass His decrees? Well, you know, I, I just think, don't think. Just, just believe that He does that. Remember the son of perdition, Judas? That was a sovereign, a sovereign decree to fulfill prophetic words to establish the identity of Christ and to bring about redemption. Now, well, what about Judas? Wasn't You know, God knows Judas's heart, and God knew it from before the foundations of the earth, and there are sometimes things get in people's hearts that you can't get out of them. And God's dealt with you, dealt with you, and dealt with you, and you've never turned from them, you've never dealt with them. So what does God do? Well, he has to leave that area because you have the rest of your life that you have to deal with. Now, God will try to come back to that area. He may leave it for a season, but still he's going to come back and deal with that area. And hopefully you'll allow God to do it. You know, the Bible says that God turned them over to a retrobate mind. Remember that in Romans, the first chapter? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean God just turned them over and let them all die? No, that's not what that word reprobate means. It means that God stopped dealing with them in that area of their life. Why? They were hardened, stiff-necked, and unreachable. It didn't say that he stopped dealing with them altogether. The church threw that in to make it all more sinful. But lying is no worse than homosexuality. Homosexuality is no worse than stealing. Amen. Stealing is no worse than griping, complaining, or having unbelief in an area. You know, we, we are kind of racist against certain sins. We hate people that do certain sins. Amen. Well, we can't be that. Sin is sin. Right? And so, we have to understand the fearful, the unbelieving, and the liar shall have their place in the lake of fire too. And if you're one of them, you're going to burn too. But I'm saved. Well, you can't be saved and be a liar. Shouldn't be saved and be fearful. Shouldn't be saved and be unbelieving. But those people are going to be there too, right? Now, and so when we talk about this, uh, the sovereignty of God, we understand that God is sovereign in his decrees, but he's not making people do everything he wants them to do. That is choice. Could I get an amen? Thank you. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to uh, God's will. Let's go to Hebrews 6.16. Remember that the word will means counsel or it means a revealed purpose. And in Hebrews 6.16 it says, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Next verse. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability. That word immutability means the unchangeableness of his sovereign decrees. Confirmed it by an oath. Next verse. That by two immutable things, unchangeable things, 
in which it was impossible for God to lie, which is one, that we might have a strong consolation of those who have fled refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which is the word. There are two things that are unchangeable that establish God, his character and his word. Character and his word. So we understand that God's will is unchangeable. Malachi 3.6, it is unchangeable. It cannot be altered. It's not altered for you. Remember that no prophecy is for any special or personal interpretation. But sometimes people come up and say, well, you know, the Lord told me that he was doing this to me. I say, yeah, but that, that's evil. That's not, well, you know, the Lord's doing his special work in me. I say, well, let's hope he starts with your mind. No, li listen, we cannot make God fit our experiences or our emotional. Could I get an amen? All right, so we want to make sure that we understand that the will of God is to one, is to everybody. Is not God's will that any should, but that all should be saved. So it's God's will sovereign decrees that people come to that and it cannot change no matter who calls upon the lord can be saved hallelujah all right now let's go over to romans 12 1 and 2. remember we're talking about the will of god we're talking about first of all it's sovereign number two it's unchangeable it is unchangeable and thirdly, it's acceptable and it's perfect. Somebody say perfect. Wow. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Let's read that again. Hallelujah. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Wow, that's 15 weeks of teaching there. Which is your reasonable, somebody say reasonable, service. You know, holiness and acceptance of God is not hard. It's just your choices should be right. Yeah, all right, next verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the will of God is what? Somebody say good. It's always, always, always good. Always. Number two, it's always acceptable. And number three, it's always perfect. Now, some people have said that, well, you know, there's different degrees of God's will. So I guess if you get the good of God's will, you get some of it, but the other of it, he's not pleased with. I don't think so. Mm -mm. No, no, you got it. it. Look, it is good, it's acceptable, and perfect. Those words and are conjunctions. It means that one statement does not stand by itself, but it is joined to another. God, it amazes me when I flunked English how good at it I am. 
You know, I got 14 F's one year. You know that? I stood at the fifth grade door. She said, well, he's got 14 F's. He can't come in here. She said, oh, yeah, he come. They don't want him down there. I remember that old fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Mustard. Slapped me right in the mouth for smarting off to her. I never liked her from that day forward. I must have not liked her the day she slapped me. Well, what do you think ever happened to her? She died. She must have been 90 when I met her. I think it was just a reflex when she hit me. I don't Nobody would hit a face like this. Did you forgive the old woman? She's dead. I don't have to forgive her. Do I? Do I? God forgive her. What she sowed, let her reap. Hallelujah. Now, no, I'm kidding. All right, so here it tells <laughs> oh, Hallelujah. Here it tells us God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. And then number two, as we look at this passage of Scripture, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove, that ye may prove. Now, how do we remove, renew our mind? By the Word of God. So what is the Word of God? It is the will of God. And the will of God is what? Good, acceptable, and perfect. Therefore, the will of God can be found and known. Amen. It's every person's job to seek out and to find God's purpose. Work out your own salvation. And in that purpose, you're going to find your talents. You're going to find your skills. You're going to find your call. You know, sometimes people, you know, oh, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I can't help you. Do you have a word for me? Yes, search the scriptures. Amen. There, there is no other place. Don't, don't try to short circuit. If you don't find it, how will you ever trust that it was really God? You can't just live off of prophecies. Amen? That'll make you a California Christian. Oh, I'm sorry. If you're in California, if you're in, I, I was just kidding. All right. Now, all right. So we understand that God's will can be known. Somebody say known. All right. And then let's realize that God has a will corporately for church, but he also has it for the world but he has it for individuals. Come on, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Nobody can find it. You know when, when the Bible says that there are things in heaven where thieves and, and uh, crooks and moth and rust does not break through and steal? What does that mean? That there are certain secret things of the Lord that he hides from other people but is accessible to individuals. You know, God's plan for my life is accessible to me, not to you. You could again, amen. Look, we have to understand that there are secret things that are hidden from people. Those secret things can be accessed by us. You remember when he, uh, Elijah said, Look, something's happened, but God had hid it from me. But the woman was the only person that could reveal it. Yeah. See, there are certain things in our lives about our purposes and our calls 
that God doesn't reveal to other people. Because other people don't believe in us like God does. And other people may not have the faith that we have even in ourselves. And so sometimes things will be revealed to you. Remember the Bible says, write the vision, hold it because it's for an appointed time. See, God will reveal things to us, Jim, about ourselves and about our future. And God wants us to hide them. Don't share them with everybody. Well, that, I've heard things like this. Well, boy, oh boy, if God uses him, he's going to be hard up. Well, he might be hard up. Most of us are at the bottom of the barrel when we find God anyway. But what they're really meaning is there's no way that God's going to use him like that. I told people I was going to start a church in Bockton. They said, go ahead. Nobody wants Bockton. Then I said, I'm going to start a, a, a Bible school there. Oh, nobody can start a Bible school there. Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Praise God. There's old, John Franz was one of my first students in the Bible college. You remember that, John? Freezing yourself to death in that little room. No heat. Hallelujah. And when it did work, the fumes would kill you. Hallelujah. And John used his faith and raised from the dead. And here he is, a graduate. Look. So everything that they may tell you, it means that they don't believe in you. doesn't mean that God didn't say it. It means that they don't believe that God has a plan for you. Amen. And so we have to prove those plans. We've got to judge those plans. We've got to take them through the fire to make sure that they are from God. But nobody can get to those secret places, fellas. Nobody. Amen. Thank you, fellas. Hallelujah. And then let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody's mind just clicked that off. I've read that before. You're right. Jeremiah 29, 11. I think uh, one of the prophecies brought this forth today. Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, well, I got it on the screen. Don't need my Bible. For I know, somebody say, I know. The thoughts that I think towards you. Wow. What do you think God's thinking about you right now? What, what do you think God's thinking? Give me three things God's thinking about you. Three things, Deb. Tell me three things. Good things. He thinks good things about me. Got one. He's got plans for my life. Yeah, you know, well, that's what he's got, but that's not what he's thinking. He's thinking good things. No. He's thinking that uh, I am his child and I am favored. No, that's what he made you. <laughs> so. His thoughts for me is he loves me. Now, that is true. That's two. Don't feel bad. All the pastors in the fasting session, none of them got. They just couldn't do it. They kept telling me, well, he thinks I'm righteous. I said, no, he made you righteous. Well, he thinks I'm blessed. I said, no, he blessed you. Well, uh, he thinks, I said, don't tell me what God made you. Tell me what he thinks of you. Well, I just don't know. I said, there you go. He thinks I'm his favorite. Well, now that's a personal interpretation, but I do like it. Because yeah. <laughs> God's no respect the persons except on my case. But uh, you can believe that if you want. All right. Jeremiah 29 11 says this for i know the thoughts that i think towards you 
saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. You know, God has never had one evil thought about you. N never. I mean, I have said things to God that I wish I had never said. And intentionally. And I wish I had never said them. But God never thought evil about me. He said, oh, don't smite him, angel. He's just being stupid. <laughs> Everybody goes through it. We love him anyway. And this too shall pass. <laughs> so it says that he says, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. That word expected end is to bring to pass something that God has devised that lines up with his pleasure. So God has a good end for you and I. Amen? And so what is that? That is a sovereign will of God right there. Somebody say, that's God's will. That's God's will, that's God's will for our life. And then God's will is always takes you and I to the highest potential of our life. Always. Always. What is the highest potential? He said, because of the blood of Jesus, God made us kings and priests unto himself. That's pretty high, isn't it? So God's plans, his sovereign will, always promotes you to your highest potential. God never demotes people. Promotion doesn't come from the east, west, south, north. It comes from what? God. God. God is a promoting God. He lifts up. He doesn't cast down. Listen, even the weakest beggarly person bound on a Jericho road, Jesus redeemed and paid the price for his future. Listen, God is not planning evil for our life. God is planning good. So we want to realize that God has a sovereign will for us and it brings us to our highest potential. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, so God's decrees, his sovereign will, is that we always come to the highest point of blessing. Remember that this is God's will, that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth. See, God wants us healthy and prosperous. That's his will. Or he wouldn't have given you the key of how to obtain it. So for a simple fact that as you start growing in the Lord, blessings come and health comes and you get established in your healing. Yeah, so let's do that. And then it speaks again in Romans 12, 1 through 2. God has a will for our life. The first will is that we be reconciled unto God. Somebody say born again. That is born again. Somebody say, I am born again. You're not trying to be born again. You are born again. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. You're one of many. You're unique in all those, but you are a child of God. You're not trying to be you are today. Secondly, God's will is that our minds or our soul be renovated and made into a place of conformity or transformation 
into the image of Christ. That has to do with our thoughts, our actions, our diligence, our attitudes. God wants us to be reflections of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, God has redeemed us physically. No, we are still in this world, I understand that. But we have been redeemed from the evil of this world, Galatians 1.4. And so God has a sovereign will for your spirit if you're not born again. He has a sovereign will for your mind. He wants us to be renewed. He wants you to think like the mind of Christ thought of himself. And then he wants you to think that you are blessed, physically redeemed. God has a plan for me, and it is long life and length of days. Long life and length of days. Amen. And so God has a plan. It's three-dimensional. It's threefold. It's for our spirit, our soul, and our body. God's plan is sovereign, but it doesn't mean that he forces everybody into it. Amen? Amen. It takes our faith. Remember 2 Peter 3, 9, and then think about Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 6 on down through 8. Is by grace are we saved through faith. Your faith can allow the will of God to come to pass in your life, or your doubt, your fear can reject it. I want to live in God's fullness. Amen. I want to live in God's best for my life. His will can be found, his will can be lived, and his will can be experienced. Let's do it today, amen? Amen. Let's live in the will of God. Let's not choose anything else. Let's just go God's will. And whatever God's will says, let's do. Let's just get deeply rooted in and refuse to be moved. Refuse to be moved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands up towards heaven. Father, I loose right now. I loose God, the Holy Ghost, to begin to draw us. God, no man can come to Christ except that the Holy Ghost draws him. Now, God, draw these people right now. Draw them, God, to a place of saying, I want to know your will, God. I want to find it for my life. I want to find my, your will for me as a son. I want to find your will for me as a servant to the king. I want you to show me what you would have me do, where you would put my hand, what giftings and callings you have for my life, God. God, I want to walk in your perfect will. God, let every day be a day of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. God, let it be the prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will, God, be done. Now, God, we ask today to make every day a day of the Garden of Gethsemane. Make it every day a day that your kingdom rules in our life. God, we want your perfect will in our life that you may be glorified. God, we ask you to move in our lives today. Move in our lives. Tear down, God. Build up. Rekindle fires, God. Rekindle old passions that once drew us 
to prayer and to study and to fellowship with other believers. God, it seems like we've got just disconnected, discontented, unresponsive God to love and even to love's opportunities. God, touch us. Let your will be done. Let your will be done in this earthen vessel as you have declared it in the heavens. Now with every head bowed, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You say, Pastor, I'm not. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I once knew Jesus. But you know, things happen, life got busy, this or that. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. The Father is standing at the door. His eyes are looking over the horizon, waiting for prodigal sons and daughters to rise up. The robes are already ironed. The rings are already selected and cleaned. The sandals are sitting by the chairs. And he's watching. He's expecting they'll come home. They'll come home. They'll come home. And he's looking and he's watching. So if you're a prodigal today, if you're a backslider, the Father's at the door. And if you're here today and you've never known Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, God's will is, is that all men would be saved. Now, you don't have to be saved. You can reject Jesus. You can reject the cross. You can turn your back on salvation. You can just miss out on your inheritance of eternal life in heaven. And God will let you make the choice to reject him, to live in sin, to be ruled by death and the devil, and even end up in a hell that God does not deliver people from. The choice is yours, but his will is unchangeable. I would that all men would be saved. He's calling you today. Will you accept his will? Will you accept him as your savior today? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're a sinner. If you're here today and you're a backslider, a prodigal son, I'm going to ask you to raise that hand up in the air and say, Pastor, will you please pray for me? Wherever it is, raise it up. I need to see it. Somebody sees one, get, get my attention. There's one, somebody else. Somebody else say, Pastor, that's me. Please pray for me today. There's another one. Or I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. And those of you that raised your hand, the biggest step of faith that you're ever going to take is to step out of the aisle and come down here and let me pray with you today that Jesus will take his blood, wash your sins away, and you'll be a new creature. You raised your hand. Step out today. Come on. Hallelujah. There you go. Anyone else? Anyone else? I thought John Nieder was coming to get saved. What's your name, young man? Jacob. Glad to have you, Jacob. You, are you in the military police corps? Really? You carry a gun and shoot people? No, I'm kidding. I used to be a chaser. 
I, they don't know what that was. I used to chase guys that need to be caught. And uh, so, well, congratulations. What branch? Army. Army. Well, we'll, that's okay. That's okay. My brother was in the Army, the paratrooper. He had to have Marines on the ground before he could jump out safely. But, you know, hallelujah. So, but we, everybody has to be something, right? No, I'm kidding you, Jacob. And what's your name? Morgan. Morgan. Glad to meet you, Morgan. This your first time in church? It is. Good. Everybody join me in faith and let's all pray this prayer. Jacob and Morgan, pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe in the cross. I believe he died for my sins. And I believe on the third day, by your power, God, you raised him from the dead and declared him Christ and Lord. Now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. Come into my heart now. I receive you as my personal Savior. As you have died for me, I will live for you. Amen and amen. Now, God, I ask you to bless Jacob and Morgan. I ask God that you would just visit them, begin to unveil your word. And I ask God that the blessing of this house would fall upon them, that, God, they would be encouraged. Let their minds and faces come to the hearts of the people of this church, that we will lift them up, that Christ will begin to be formed in them. God, keep them. Keep them from all evil, that, God, they can return in faith to the house of the Lord, the house of the faithful, the house of the sons and daughters of God. Now, God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. If you'll go with that guy, he's got a book for you and some stuff like that. Praise God. Come up here, Phyllis. Come on up here, lovey. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, if I wasn't flying out, I'd go home with you. You're going? Uh, Lord, that's it? That's it? Just a, Why, that's do you I have thought. garlic already today? No, I did not have garlic. Man, I'm telling you, are you Italian or what? I had garlic last night. And it reeks through my body. Keep it out of our relationship. Okay. <laughs> I love you. See you, darling. All right. All right. God bless you. We'll see you. Um, well, I have just a few announcements. You guys can be seated, please, if, if you would. Um, Cynthia Cuffey the wife of Horace Cuffey, and I think Brother Horace is here today somewhere. Uh, they've been a longtime member here, and um, she, uh, she passed away last Wednesday, Cynthia did, and services will be held Saturday, October the 7th at 10 a.m. at Child's Layman, which is 1170 Shawnee Road in Lima, and visitations will be Friday at the funeral home from 2 to 4 and 6 to 8. And they've been longtime members here forever. And um, we're really sorry for that family. And let's just pray for them right now and, and just lift them up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, for Horace Cuffey's family. God, we ask you to give them peace like they have never had before. Comfort them, Lord. 
in their time of sorrow. And God, I just, we know where Sister Cuppy is. We don't have to worry anything about her. We don't have to think where she is. We know where she is. And God, we just thank you that you are taking care of this family and you are just giving them joy, joy in their hearts, knowing where Sister Cuffy is and knowing that she is with the Father. And God, we just thank you for the peace, the comfort, and the joy in their lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, um, you know that uh, we're going to have the Mandisa concert, right? I think that's the way you pronounce it. I'm not for sure. We need 15 guys, 15 men. We don't, they don't want women. They want 15 men to help them unload their equipment and to load their equipment. Guys, we only have one. They really needed 16, and all we have so far is just one. Please, we need your help. 15. Will anybody raise their hand to help us out? Anyone? Okay, there's Dan. There's two. Uh, who else? Come on. Oh, Ray, I was looking over top of you, but there's three. Who else? Just raise your hand. Four. Uh, okay, five, six, I think seven. Uh, I got you, seven. I need some more, guys. It's so hard to see sometimes for these lights. Eight, thank you so much. Just a few more. Eight, where am I at? Oh, brother, oh, nine. Okay. Do what? <laughs> oh, ten, okay. Um, that's ten. We need five more. Okay, six, or eleven, sorry, I'm thinking seven. Okay, or I'm thinking five more. Anyone else? Eleven. We have eleven. Anyone else? Please help up in the balcony. Anybody? Eleven. Okay. Twelve. That's good. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I only need three more. Three more. Okay. Well, we'll probably try to get you Wednesday night. All right? Okay. But thank you. Thank you so much. Seriously. That we really appreciate and what you will do, you will help them load, unload, and then you will help them reload. So, so we'll need you for that. Now, I just got a couple more little things here. I got to read you this letter. This was to Pastor Tim Lamaster, our, our teen guy. It says, I just want to thank you. Now, this is a teenager. Before I started going to church, I was hanging out with the wrong people. And now I have so many Christian friends. I also didn't know God personally, because, but because of you and all the great staff at Only Believe Ministries, I have had the chance to know God, and my life is so much better. I could have not got to where I am right now with, I could not, I could not, yeah, well, that's the way she wrote it. I have not got to where I'm at right now without you. You really changed my life, and I am so glad you did. Now, because you showed me the path to God and an amazing church, my life will be so much better than it would be without God and a really great church. You really changed my life. So thanks for showing me the light to God. 
and just says sincerely, not a name. I thought that was amazing. And that, all the accolades go to Tim LaMaster because he goes out, and that was in Jackson Center. He gets these kids and he brings them here to church. They get saved. They, they get the gospel put in them. They get fellowship from all of you and your children, and they love it. You know, and that's what the kingdom's all about, going out and winning souls and bringing them in. Now, today is New Members Sunday, and I've never done this before. So, if you want to become a member of Only Believe Ministries Christian Center, I want you to come down. If you're expecting to become a member, I would like for you to come down because I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to meet you back in the room afterwards. It's New Member Sunday. Anyone? Oh, okay. <laughs> You've been a member so long, Jim, we forgot you. No, we love Jim. He's our little tormenting spirit. Jim, we love you. You know, Shambach used to call me that. Yeah, so see, you're just right in line with all of us good people. All right. Oh, we have some. Good. Oh, okay. All right. Anyone else that wants to call Only Believe Ministries their home? You know, when you call us your home, you're here every Sunday, right? You're here every Wednesday, right? You're here whenever you can be here, right? <laughs> okay. No, but we're, we're very proud of you. We're glad that you're calling us your home. And I'm going to pray for all of you, and we're just going to believe God that God's going to just instill the Word of God in you, and you're going to get so full of God and the Word and, and fellowship in the church that you're just going to love it here, and you're going to be here forever until Jesus returns. All right? Let's just grab hands there, and everybody grab hands. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for each and every one of these people that stand here today, these precious, precious people that are standing here today, basically dedicating their self to you and dedicating their self to the house of the Lord. Now, God, I just thank you for that. And God, I thank you that, and I pray for the anointing upon this house to fall on each and every one of them. I pray for the blessings of this house to fall on each and every one of them. I pray, Lord, for the faith that is in this house to envelop them and to fall upon them, Lord. And let them receive it, Lord, and let it just in, come in their bodies like never before. And let it stir them up and let them realize this is where they have to be. This is where they want to be. They don't want to stay home. They don't want to be out of church, but they want to be connected to the bunch. And Father, we just thank you for each and every one of them in Jesus' name. And we just ask you to bless them. Amen and amen. Let me tell you guys something. There's, there's this old kind of saying that says, a banana away from the bunch is the first one that gets eight. Think about it. You won't tear another banana off if there's one laying there on the counter by itself, but the bunch is right here by it. What one are you going to eat first? The one that's laying by itself. So when you get out of the congregation and you get out into the world, 
that's when the devil can eat you. Does that make sense? And he'll eat the one that is away from the bunch. So by you being here in the house of the Lord, I'm telling you, it's, you're strong. One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. You need prayer, you go to your brother or sister. You need something, you go to your brother and sister. Say, pray with me and watch what happens. So it's connection, connection. So I'll see you guys back there in the room in just a few minutes, okay? Go with Brother Ed right there. Thank you so much. Pastor tells me this last minute. He always gives you something to do last minute. So you're like a nervous wreck. You can't think of what you're supposed to do. But anyway, it's done. Anyway, okay, let's just pray over you guys. And look, you're getting out 10 minutes early. Isn't that great? <laughs> okay. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I'm so thankful for my family. This is my family. We are all family, and I thank you, God, for such a wonderful family. I ask you to bless each and every one of them, and as they go through the week, Lord, I ask you to take care of them, watch over them, protect them, protect their families. Bless them, Lord, in everything they put their hand to do. And God, we just give you glory and praise for such a good family that you have given us and placed in our lives in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Well, you're dismissed. We'll see you